Chapter Three of Mr. Inkle's Misadventure. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Mr. Inkle's Misadventure by Edgar Saltis. Chapter Three. After Darkness. When Miss Barhite was one year younger, she had gone with her mother to pass the summer at Mount Desert, and there, the morning of her arrival, on the monster angle of Roddick's porch, Lennox Lee had caused himself to be presented a week later miss barhite and her new acquaintance were as much gossiped about as was possible in that once unconventional resort lennox lee was by birth a baltimorean and by profession a gentleman of leisure yet as the exercise of that profession is considered less profitable in baltimore than in new york he had for some time past been domiciled in the latter city from the onset he was well received one of the amsterdams had married a lee his only sister had charmed the heart of nicholas manhattan and being in this wise connected with two of the reigning families he found doors open as a matter of course but even in the absence of potent relatives there was no reason why he should not have been cordially welcomed he was it is true better read than nineteen men out of twenty when he went to the opera he preferred listening to the music to wandering from box to box he declined to figure in cotillons and at no dinner at no supper had he been known to drink anything stronger than claret and water but as an offset to these defects he was one of the most admirably disorganized young men that ever trod fifth avenue he was without beliefs and without prejudices added to this he was indulgent to the failings of others perhaps it would be better to say that he was indifferent it may be that the worst thing about him was that he was not bad enough his wickedness such as there was of it was purely negative a poet of the decadence of that period in fact when rome had begun to weary of debauchery without yet acquiring a taste for virtue a pre-medieval epicurean let us say could not have pushed a creedless refinement to a greater height than he there were men who thought him a prig and who said so when his back was turned it was in the company of this patrician of a latter day that miss barhyte participated in the enjoyments of mount desert lee was then in his twenty-fifth year and miss barhyte was just grazing the twenties he was attractive in appearance and possessed of those features which now and then permit a man to do without a beard or moustache his hair which was black clung so closely to his head that at a distance it might have been taken for the cask of a saracen to miss barhyte as already noted a full share of beauty had been allotted together they formed one of the most charming couples that it has ever been a historian's privilege to admire and being a charming couple and constantly together they excited much interest in the minds of certain ladies who hailed from recondite massachusetts regions to this interest they were indifferent at first during the early evenings when the stars were put out by the northern lights they rode to the outermost shore of a neighboring island and lingered there for hours in enchanted silence later in the midsummer nights when the harvest moon was round and mellow they wandered through open fields back into the dantesque forests and strayed in the clinging shadows and inviting solitudes of the pines from one such excursion they returned to the hotel at an hour which startled a night porter who in that capricious resort should have lost his ability to be startled at anything that afternoon mrs bunker hill one of the ladies to whom allusion has been made approached miss barhyte on the porch and are you to be here much longer she asked after a moment or two of desultory conversation the holidays are almost over the girl answered with her radiant smile holidays do you call them holidays did i understand you to say i should have called them fast days and with that elaborate witticism mrs bunker hill shook out her skirts and sailed away meanwhile an enveloping intimacy had sprung up between the two young people their conversation need not be chronicled there was in it nothing unusual and nothing particularly brilliant 
it was but a strain from that archaic duo in which we have all taken part and which at each repetition seems to be an original theme for the first time miss barheit learned the intoxication of love she gave her heart ungrudgingly without calculation without forethought wholly as a heart should be given and freely as had the gift been consecrated in the nave of a cathedral if she were generous why should she be blamed in the giving she found that might of happiness that one unclouded day that is fair as june roses and dawns but once in september miss barheit went with her mother on a visit in the berkshire hills lee journeyed south a matter of business claimed his attention in baltimore and when early in november he reached new york the girl had already returned since the death of barheit pere she had lived with her mother in a small house in irving place which they rented furnished by the year but on this particular autumn affairs had gone so badly some stock had depreciated some railroad had been mismanaged or some trustee had speculated something in fact that had happened of which no one save those personally interested ever know or ever care and as a result the house in irving place was given up and the mother and daughter moved into a boarding-house of all of this lennox lee was made duly aware had he been able and could such a thing have been proper and conventional he would have been glad indeed to offer assistance he was not selfish but then he was not rich a condition which always makes unselfishness easy matrimony was out of the question his income was large enough to permit him to live without running into debt but beyond that its flexibility did not end in money matters and in money matters alone lennox lee was the most scrupulous of men beside as a phrase goes he was not a marrying man marriage he was accustomed to assert means one woman more and one man less and beyond that definition he was steadfastly declined to look except to announce that like some other institutions matrimony was going out of fashion that winter miss barheit was more circumspect it was not that her affection had faltered but in the monochromes of a great city the primal glamour that was born of the fields and the sea lost its lustre then too lennox in the correctness of evening dress was not the same adorer who had lounged in flannels at her side and the change from the open country to the boarding-house parlour affected their spirits unconsciously and so the months wore away there were dinners and routs which the young people attended in common there were long walks on avenues unfrequented by fashion and there were evenings prearranged which they passed together during which the girl's mother sat upstairs and thought her own thoughts mrs barheit had been a pretty woman and inconsequential as pretty women are apt to be her girlhood had been of the happiest without a noteworthy grief she married one whose perfection had seemed to her impeccable and then suddenly without emotion the tide of disaster set in after the birth of a second child maida her husband began to drink and drank after each debauch with a face paler than before until disgrace came and with it a plunge into the north river her elder child a son on whom she placed her remaining hopes had barely skirted manhood before he was taken from her to die of smallpox in a hospital then came a depreciation in the securities which she had held and in this train the small miseries of the shabby genteel finally the few annual thousands that were left to her seemed to evaporate and as she sat in her room alone her thoughts were bitter a pretty inconsequential girl had developed into a woman hardened yet unresigned at forty-five her hair was white her face was as colourless as her widow's cap her heart was dead on the night when her daughter under the chaperonage of miss hildred one of the few surviving relatives had returned from a reception she was sitting up 
and mrs hildred's suggestion a position to which allusion has been made had been offered to her daughter and that position the bringing up or rather the bringing out of a child of the west she determined that her daughter should accept afterwards well perhaps for maida there were other things in store as for herself she expected little she would betake herself to some connecticut village and there wait for death when her daughter entered the room she was sitting in the erect impassibility of a statue her eyes indeed were restless but her face was dumb and in the presence of that silent desolation the girl's tender heart was touched mother she exclaimed why did you wait up for me and she found a seat on the sofa near her mother and took her hand caressingly in her own why are you up so late she continued are you not tired oh mother the girl cried impetuously if you only knew what happened to-night what do you suppose but mrs barhite shook her head she had no thoughts left for suppositions and quickly for the mere sake of telling something that would arouse her mother if ever so little from her apathy made a related minster and cool's offer whose success was greater if other than she anticipated it was though she had poured into a parching throat the very waters of life it was the post tenebre lux and what a light the incandescence of unexpected hope a cataract of gold pieces could not have been more dazzling it was blinding after the shadows in which she had groped the color came to her cheek her hand grew moist yes yes she cried urging the girl's narrative with a motion of the head like that of a jockey speeding to the post yes yes she repeated and her restless eyes flamed with the heat of fever wasn't it odd maida concluded abruptly but you accepted him the mother asked hoarsely almost fiercely accepted him no of course not he my mother what is the matter engrossed in the telling of the story the girl had not noticed her mother's agitation but at her last words at the answer to the question her wrist had been caught in vibes and eyes that she no longer recognized eyes dilated with anger desperation and revulsion of feeling were staring into her own instinctively she drew back oh mother what is it and the mother bending forward even as the daughter retreated hissed you shall accept him i say you shall mother mother the girl moaned helplessly you shall accept him do you hear me oh but mother how can i the tears were rolling down her cheeks she was frightened the acute agonizing fright of a child pursued she tried to free herself but the hand on her wrist only tightened and her mother's face livid now was close to her own you shall accept him she repeated with the insistence of a monomaniac and the girl with bended head through the paroxysms of her sob could only murmur in piteous beseeching tones mother mother but to the plank the woman was as deaf as the heart, heart was dumb she indeed loosened her hold and the girl fell back on the lounge from which they had both risen but it was only to summon from the reservoirs of her being some new strength wherewith to vanquish for a moment she stood motionless watching the girl quiver in her emotion and as the sobbing subsided she stretched forth her hand and caught her by the shoulder look at me she said and the girl obedient rose from her seat and gazed imploringly in her mother's face no neapolitan fishwife was ever more eager to barter her daughter than was this lady of acknowledged piety and refinement and the face into which her daughter looked and shrank bore no trace of pity or compassion tell me if you dare she continued tell me why it is that you refuse what more do you want are you a princess of the blood perhaps you will say you don't love him and what if you don't i loved your father and look at me now beside you had your chance of that there don't stare at me in that way i know so do you now take your choice accept this offer or get to your lover at this very night as for me i disown you i 
the flood of words was interrupted the girl had fainted the simulchre of death had extended its kindly arms and into them she had fallen as into a grateful release by the morrow her spirit was broken two days later mr inkle called with what success the reader has already been informed and on that same evening in obedience to the note came lennox lee End of chapter three